from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association of Vancouver. From codes to kitchens, safety to sun decks, we'll take you behind the walls in all things home building design and renovation. And give you the ins and outs from the experts to help you build or renovate the right home for you. In plain language, focused on home building design and renovation. I'm Jennifer Lee Gunson. And I'm Mike Friedman. Now that you're here, why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode. Hey, Mike, here we are again, back in the studio. Hey, Jennifer, back in the saddle, back in the studio. Long time no talk. I'm happy to be here again. Me too. Today's meeting, we're taking a deep dive into the team you need to build or renovate your home and just how much it costs. Take it from me, based on my experience. It's easy to think you can design your own home or be the general contractor to save a few dollars. But with all the technology required today, coupled with zoning and building bylaws, I think our guests might paint a slightly different picture. Agreed. After speaking with Babette McGrafter from Condo Works and Jamie Banfield Design last week, it really hit home the value of working with a good designer to increase the livability and a contractor with systems and the knowledge to help expedite permitting and bringing resources to help save time and money. And cost is a huge issue. We all see amazing photos of beautiful homes on Instagram and house, but really don't understand how much taking the time up front to properly plan can impact your budget. It can be really intimidating to spend the money up front, but often saves you quite a bit in pre-construction. Well, our guests today are going to help us walk through the people you will need on the job and why and how to work out the costs. Let's bring on Cheryl Rosenberg, residential designer and co-owner of the DOS Design Group, and Damian from Newcomb Wood Concepts and Construction. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Guys, welcome to our show. Great to have you. Great to be here. So before we begin, tell us about your journey in the industry and how you came to be where you are today, Shira. I went to school in California for product design and industrial design. I um, was basically prototyping. Came back to Canada and actually ended up as a sculptor for science fiction movies, um, making oh, wow. props and weird, crazy, pointy things, because that's what I really enjoyed. Somewhere along the line came to the conclusion um, that I was better off making um, architectural scale miniatures. And so I went from prop making to architectural scale models, to designing architectural scale models, to Nick convincing me to make scale models for his games so that he could eventually figure out how to convince me to date him, but that took like 15 years. And in the meantime, he also convinced me that we should quit our jobs and start a company. And that, that kind of went in that direction. And then we owned a design firm. Damien, you came from a slightly different background. Can you tell us a little about your story and how you got from there to here now? Uh, so I went to school at BCIT to become a carpenter. Um, I ended up working in a luxurious um, a uh, company that did ground up construction for new builds in West Van and Delmont Lands. After I finished five years there, I decided that I was going to go into commercial construction and, and try that route. And I ended up working as a carpenter for a while um, in the industry. And I was I had the chance to join a larger general contractor working as a superintendent. So I did that for three years and was really enjoying my job and realized I see all these other companies doing it for themselves. And 
why don't I do it for myself? Uh, Shira, I've heard you say without the builder in at the beginning, you cannot provide accurate information. And without the designer, the builder cannot give you an accurate cost. Uh, the two of you, of course, work hand in hand, which is what we're learning a lot through this podcast throughout the seasons. Can you expand on this concept? The most important thing you're going to do with your project is your scope and your cost. What do I want to do and how much money do I have to do it? At the end of the day, you kind of want to start with how, what, what's the cap you're willing to spend on this property? Because it is real estate. You're, you're kind of already in like kind of a luxury market when you're starting to do custom things. Uh, but you want to make sure that if you're only willing to spend $200,000, that you're not designing something that's $500,000. Because you're wasting everyone's time and money going in the wrong direction. So you figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it. And then you get the design of the contractor. And we collaborate with the client on how to get them the things they need on the budget they're looking for in compliance with code and zoning. And then you've got one point of contract, which is usually your project manager, which is hired by or supervised by the general contractor or is the general contractor, depending on the size of their company. And they're sort of collecting all the data from everybody and making sure that everybody knows everything. You don't want your designer to not know what the engineering is and you don't want your engineer to not know what the geotech's doing. Um, we can't do our jobs without the information from everybody together. We're, we're seeing this already. We're seeing a shift towards a different integrated design process. And I want to give you an analogy for our listeners so they understand. Picture people swimming. I want you to picture image number one is a bunch of rows where people are racing against each other. That is the old way of doing business. Now I want you to picture a bunch of synchronized swimmers dancing in unison. That is the new way of doing business or the integrated design process. And it is definitely a better way of doing things as we've learned through many, many conversations. What I'm hoping we can do is expand a little on the integrated design process uh, about talking about getting a team of people together and what we want to get out of that team as well. And, and Damien, maybe you want to start on this because you're, you're sort of at the receiving end of this once all the other pieces are put together. A lot of that usually just comes down to time and money as, as every project does. But your analogy is it was really good as, you know, as a team, if we're all swimming together, it's more efficient and we're all working together on the same thing at the same time. You know, going the other way, yeah, we can still pass a finish line, each one of us going ourselves, but it takes a lot longer, it costs more money, and we end up going back and forth. And that, unfortunately, when we're doing rentals, nobody wants to pay for rent longer than they have to or stay in, a, in an Airbnb longer than they have to. A lot of people actually have said this recently is houses have become more complicated. Um, they're more like rocket ships now compared to these things that anyone could buy in a magazine and just build. Um, back in the day, houses were extremely simple. You bought them in a Sears catalog and put it together yourself. And it was really, really easy. Anyone could do it. Um, but they didn't have a lot of stuff going on. There was just two by four walls with insulation of them if you were lucky. And really simple wiring and not a lot of stuff going on. You probably had one washroom in the house. Now we've got these big complex houses with more complex requirements by government. Um, all things we've learned while building houses over the years is how to make them safer, how to make sure we don't have mold, how we make sure we have proper venting. Um, there's, and every professional involved has like a little specialty they're doing right now. And it's, we all each do our own piece and we don't cross over very much. You're, um, so it, in the base, like the, the bare minimum you need to build a house is you need a designer, well, you need a project manager, some point person in the beginning, and then you need the designer to figure out the layout, um, whether or not it's compliant, whether or not it meets all this code. You need a structural engineer, and they're gonna make sure it doesn't fall down. Um, depending on what your ground's made out of, you need the geotech, whether or not the house is going to sink into the ground. 
Um, you'll have an envelope engineer or a CEA, and they deal with the composition of your exterior walls and roof, what is on the outside of the house and how well the heat stays in and out. You'll have a mechanical engineer now, and they'll have HVAC, plumbing, and electrical. And that's, all these things are complicated. It's like a, it's like the difference between the cars we used to buy in the 80s versus a car you'll buy now. Um, when I had my first car, it was this old junker that my friends could just take pieces out and put pieces in by themselves. And it was really easy and it wasn't a big deal. It was before we even had YouTube to ask how to do it. And now if I go get a car, I open it up, my, my car's electric, it's got a box on the inside and I don't know what it does and I really shouldn't touch it. And of course the cars are more expensive now just for the base model, but that's because there's so many more pieces in it. They've got um, electrical everything where back in the day it was all handles and knobs and stuff you could fix on your own. And that's how housing has evolved as well. I love the analogy for the car, and it works for two reasons. First of all, yeah, a new car is more expensive than an older car, but you get so many more features with a newer car, so much greater efficiency, so much more options as far as what you can do. So I think there's nothing wrong with pushing up the envelope and increasing the complexity of what we do, as long as the payoff, which is the efficiencies there as well. And again, this goes back to planning will get us better results throughout the process. The same thing as bells and whistles, like somebody, you know, a bathroom back in the day was just a bathtub, shower curtain and a, and a, and a rain shower head. Now we have steamers and heated floors in the shower and niches with, with uh, frost-free mirrors. It's a lot of these things we can't, sometimes we can't um, install them afterwards um, without deconstructing what we've already done. So that's why it goes back to a lot of its pre-planning before we actually start the easy part. I know we talked a little bit about the different roles, but what is a residential designer versus an interior designer? Due to the lack of regulation, basically anyone can call themselves a designer. But there's two... Um, this is all about part nine. So uh, part nine is the building code. It's who, um, it was created so that we could originally, so that people could design houses and build them themselves. Uh, but it, it's kind of gotten out of hand and it's more complicated than that now. And that's where we ended up with the certifications and registered. So you've got a registered interior designer or a certified residential designer or a certified building designer. These are people that have actually passed tests and certifications with the ASTDBC or the Interior Design Institute of BC, and they're, they've been shown that they're qualified to interpret and apply building code. They're, they're proven that they understand the process, they understand the rules, they understand the complexities. It's much like a, um, with the car, you can't just hire some guy that's sitting at a bus stop and say, yo, fix my car. You should go to a mechanic and the mechanic should have some kind of certification to work on that kind of car. And that's where the the certifications come in. So a certified residential designer and a registered interior designer have both passed the same tests out of two bodies that supervise us. And we we can interpret and apply code. Um, a lot of other people don't understand the significance of the term interior design, and it can vary anywhere from people who pick colors and pillows to people who actually design single-family homes. There's no protections for the homeowners if you're hiring somebody that has no qualifications. And because the word isn't protected, anyone can call themselves a designer. Um, unlike other, like, so there are um, regulated words that people can't pretend to be. Like you can't just call yourself a realtor. You have to pass a test mm -hmm. and then you can give real estate advice. That is how the registered interior designers and 
certified residential designers function, much like the realtors. We've, we've passed a test, we have a stamp, we have to um, requalify every year, proving that we are still on top of our game. Um, and because there's no regulation, there's nothing protecting homeowners from random person at the bus stop saying, I've decided I'm a designer today and just going out and telling someone they're doing it and giving them bad advice. It's um, buyer beware. It's all about protecting yourself and understanding where you're at. And most houses, like your average house starts at a million dollars these days. That's a lot of money to build something. And not getting a qualified person because you're trying to save five or $10,000 at the very beginning of a $3 million possible build is crazy. It if, never works. <laughs> you never save money time after time. Yeah, but it's insignificant. Once you start building your house, one question that has to be asked in a day costs $5,000 because people need to down tools and stop and figure out and maybe undo something and do it again. There, um, just because you got permits doesn't mean that it's built right or that it's drawn right. That's still on, on the de- contractor and on the homeowner. The building codes are there to protect other people, not so much you as the home builder or as the home designer, they're there to make sure that you don't set your neighbor's house on fire or that you don't fall over into this other house or that if there's a flood, your house doesn't pop up off the foundation and float down the street. Um, that's why all this building code is created is to create a safe environment for everyone around your house. But they're not responsible for checking. So you could have a designer and you, you just go hire the, the, the cheapest guy on Craigslist because they were only $3,000 and they'll design a house for you, sure thing. And you get through the permitting process. The cities it's not their responsibility to check their work. Um, no, it goes down to hiring, again, the right people that are going to guide you into the proper practices, which brings me to when do you hire an architect versus um, a residential designer? So that's all actually legislated and really easy to process. And it's back to the building code. So building code has 11 parts, 1 to 11. Um, part 9 design is single family residential. Part three is architecture. So there's an Architects Act. It's available on their website, and everyone should know this and access it and use it. And it tells you when you can and can't design something without an architect. So if you have more than four units in a building, if you have a commercial building over about 3,000 square feet with a bunch of other caveats, um, or it's an assembly use like a a theater uh, restaurant, Somewhere, how many people will die in your fire, essentially, is really what building code comes down to. If more than your personal family will die in a fire, you need an architect. <laughs> and that's and because they're regulated, nobody can pretend to be an architect or do an architect's job without being one. It's, it's illegal. The Architects Institute sues companies and people every day, and it's all over their website, of people doing work that required an architect without being one. Um, in an apartment building, if you're going to... Um, take two units and turn them into one unit or take one unit and divide it into two units that legally requires an architect because that multifamily building has more than four units in it. It required an architect to make it, but a single family home falls under part nine. You do not need an architect. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm learning so much. I didn't know all the difference about this at all. Yeah. We, we have one job where uh, an owner owns, you know, four units that are side by side and she wanted to just amalgamate two of the units and just take down a 10 foot wall and she could have, you know, an open living room that was huge. And then you could have the two families that would live together as simple as that is. And both sides are, are just residential. And, um, me and chair, we, you know, we can work on that. We need an architect just to do that little bit of work for the whole building. 
sounds like they're expensive things to catch after the fact, which goes back to what you were talking about, trying to save money at the beginning by not hiring a person who ironically will save you a ton of money by saving you steps and getting you better prices on materials and stuff like that. Well, also telling you in the beginning, before you go like $30,000 in starting to take out walls because some unqualified person told you you could, um, right at the beginning, oh, this requires an architect. This architect is required to do the following um, applications and calculations and fire safety. They, they'll be able to tell you preemptively, look, look, even without construction, you're in at $50,000 worth of professionals and life safety assessments. And if you don't have the stomach for that, you don't even start down the process. Maybe I shouldn't have bought these two units thinking I could just combine them because I didn't ask anyone and I just made decisions without advice. Yeah, it's it's sad to see a lot of people, they, they do do that and they do get two units to each other and, and they figure, well, I have two units, I can just join them together. You know, I'll get a call saying, hey, Damon, can you get a price for doing this kind of work? And I say, absolutely, it's totally possible. It's expensive and saying, well, how, how much is expensive? And as Shira said it. Hey, we're you know we're at fifty thousand dollars of professional fees plus the actual cost of work, which is the cheap part of that at that point. Um, you could turn down quite a bit, and then three, four months down the road, when once again somebody's doing work and you get a work stop from some you know the the banging of the noise or whatever it is, then that general contractor, whoever is doing the work, if they're not qualified or if they don't know what they're doing, they leave and they pack it up and they don't return the calls, and then now that homeowner is stuck trying to fix that and at that point now they're spending all the the cost of what they paid that contractor plus you know our original quote and if they don't have the money for the professionals to actually do it right the only option they have to them is to produce a permit to return it to its last exact permitted state so now you've spent all this money to return it to the way you bought it and that's not what we want to do <laughs> that, 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 that does not accomplish our goal and that that leaves us usually with less money. Uh, when it comes to custom homes that are more than two levels uh, with concrete, do you need an architect for that? You need an architect if you have a four-story home or more, so more than three stories or more than one story of concrete. Um, that might need more description. So the, the theory of Billy Cold is never remember it, always go read. So <laughs> when I go read, there's a certain amount of basement that needs to be a basement to not count as a story. So just to put it simply, you can't have more than three stories above grade. Once you hit four stories, it requires an architect, flat out, no question. Um, one story of, of basement, so, we, so your basement usually has a foundation either right up to the main floor or a portion of the basement. That's fine. But if you want to keep going and you want to have a, a, an extra cellar underneath it, so you have a full cellar and then a concrete and then a floor above it and then another floor that's also underground, that would be more than one story of concrete and that would require an architect as well. This is um, basically building code says you can build up to this. And anything beyond that is not part nine anymore. So you need an architect because you've fallen into part three. So if you're building just a one-story home with a basement, depending on the size, you don't need an architect? Absolutely oh, okay. not. As long as it's single family and has less than four okay. years. Uh, Sharon, Damien, this is awesome information people looking to build or renovate their home. Now that we have a more clear picture of who's who and why you need various specialists depending on your project, I want to dive a little bit in the cost factor. But first, we need to take a quick break to thank our podcast sponsors. So hang in there. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. Measure Twice Cut Once is grateful for the support from our podcast partners, BC Housing, BC Hydro, and Fortis BC. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources like hearing today from Shira and Damien to help build, design, and renovate the home right for you. And speaking of resources, the BC Energy Step Code is 
a provincial standard that is moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better comfort, health, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca and you'll find a variety of rebates for construction materials, home energy evaluations, plus mortgage and tax refunds. There are also rebates for renovations too. Just click on the rebate search tool button on the homepage of betterhomesbc.ca to find cost-saving resources for your next project or talk with your licensed builder or professional contractor. They'll help guide you. Now let's get back to Shira and Damien. So earlier we talked about having the right people doing the right jobs and having, you know, avoiding overlap and redundancies. So essentially we're talking about a separation of church and state where we're siloing everything, but we're all still working together. Uh, we know who's in the church. Let's talk about the plan. We talked earlier about the builder providing accurate information at the beginning with specifications from designers and other industry experts. Shira, can you help us dive a little bit deeper in how to work out the numbers and maybe talk a little about the difference between soft costs and hard costs? So people will always start with, okay, well, I can build at $300 a square foot. But what does that actually include? So when somebody's going to build at $300 a square foot, it doesn't include taxes. Let's start there. It doesn't include your permits, your design, your structural, your excavation, your demolition of the existing home. Everything you do before you actually dig a hole in the ground is a soft cost, and that's never included in your price per square foot. The price per square foot goes up the fancier the inside of the house is, or the fancier the outside of the house is, but those pre-costs don't really vary. It's going to cost this much to dig a hole. It doesn't really matter how fancy the house that goes in it is. It does matter how deep it is, but... Generally speaking, they're always the same depth. Permitting fees, it's, they're not huge variations in it, but once you get into building the house, you get massive variations. Um, are you going to do vital siding, hardy siding, wood siding, decton siding? Like your siding cost can go anywhere from $5 a square foot to $500 a square foot. It's the same size house, but the costs go all over the place depending on what you're making. You got to hire the right people to do it and, and, and go back to having the right team uh, that has everybody's back during the process. Um, depending what city you're at, permits take certain certain amount of time. Planning it, our idea of designing it, everything does take time and that's that's right. And having the right team includes having an interior designer. And I know sometimes we've talked about this, a lot of people don't want to have uh, that person because they think it's going to be a huge cost. But can you talk about some of the cost savings of when actually hiring an interior designer onto your team? You have a job and it's not that. So if you're doing your job all day and then you come home and you have one hour of free time, trying to do a full-time interior designs job for your entire project, having no experience and nothing to do with the industry, all you're doing is slowing down and making mistakes in your project you you're going to go ahead and you're going to order this fireplace you're not going to talk to your contractor or anyone else on the job because you're doing it yourself you show up on site that that fireplace is there and oh well this fireplace can't be installed in this situation it can't be vented it's illegal because of new laws that have been in place and you bought it in the u.s and it's you've now spent ten thousand dollars on something that you can't use you can't return and your contractor is now behind schedule by 10 weeks because he has to go bring one in that actually meets code. And these kinds of mistakes happen all the time. Oh, I'm just going to go buy tile. Well, that's great. Did you even check if your wall tile, is it wall tile or floor tile? Because if you buy wall tile and put it on the floor, it's going to crack. And you don't know what you don't know. Well, we spent a lot of time just talking about materials and costs, but we should also talk about one other element too, and that is time. 
Yes, you can save time getting it designed more efficiently, but there's also things like coordination of trades. And if you don't know what you're doing, all of a sudden a week extra drywalling, that electrician's not sitting around waiting for you to call them. They have other jobs. So managing this can actually reduce significantly the amount of delays. And that correlates to less rent you're paying while you're waiting for your place to be built or having to move that much sooner, getting into enjoying your new lifestyle as well. It goes back to communication as well. Um, one of the analogies about the bathtub was uh, my place. Uh, sure designed me a beautiful bathroom and I loved it, but I wanted a bigger bathtub. So I found a bigger bathtub and I bought it and said, Shira, make this work in here. Um, and once again, I'm okay, you know, depending who the the owner is, some people are okay with, uh, you know, delays or certain part of the house not being completed. Now, one of my bathrooms not being done, I don't mind. But in this case, yeah, it completely changed the layout. Now, had I told Shira beginning, actually, you know what? Hindsight, think ahead. I want a bigger tub. It could have been designed right the first time and then we wouldn't have had this problem. But sometimes you make changes on the fly when you you do get in the space and you see it. And as long as people are openly communicating. It's super important to be honest with your design aspirations to your designer. But you should also be honest about how much money you actually can spend. That's huge. Um, and once again, a lot of people, hey, I want to do a bathroom. How much is it going to cost? It's like, well, we can do a bathroom 10000 or we can do it for $100,000. It's you always work backwards. What's what's how much money do you are you comfortable spending versus how much money do you actually have before there's no more money in the bank? And that's that's what happens because sometimes when we're doing it and somebody says, hey, Damon, I actually want to put a steamer in the bathroom. It's like, hey, well, I know what your top dollars. Yes, we can do that. Or right off the bat, it's like, no, nope, not going to happen. It's just keeping everybody in check from the beginning rather than going too far down the line and you end up with disappointment. I want to make sure everybody's happy and, and the project's smooth right from the get-go. Yeah, well, the other thing I would think about is also cost overages too. You, No matter what your budget is, whatever you I've identified that you can afford, I have yet to encounter a construction project where some change hasn't happened or the, a wall has been, has been open and there's been something back there. The bottom line is you need a buffer and a contingency and the right person will help you not only plan for the immediate cost, but also create a bit of headroom for you should that happen where the, you know, you found old knob and tube wiring when they open the wall or something like that. Yeah. Depending on the year of house. And, and that's, that's why I always say like, I have to know how much money you're willing to spend versus like, what's a top dollar before that that's it. And a lot of times if we only have $100,000 to spend and that's every penny in the bank and that's or or that's just what they have budgeted, you know, we might only budget for $80,000 knowing that, hey, this house this year has asbestos or it has aluminum wiring. We know these things are going to come up, budget for them so that we always end up in in the amount that that can get paid. And that doesn't leave anybody in a, a you know, doing free work or putting a homeowner out um in a bad spot but you want to plan for these things at the very 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 beginning you don't want it to be a surprise when you open the door and or open the wall and they're like oh now i have to deal with this when you're working with experienced team they know houses in this era had asbestos so like they're already planning you said it well like it's the fact that like picking the right uh professionals and, and choosing the right professionals that are going to help you make the decisions make the best planning decisions because these people know if they are contractors they're going to know what age of the house and what type of things that they need to look for is asbestos going to be an issue and they're going to be able to put a cushion in there for you if there is asbestos hey i got one question uh for the design end of things Okay, so say we're, we're going to do a new home or renovate our home. As we start talking, my family's in there. Is there such thing as sharing too much information or how deep should I get? Like, should I tell you everything, no matter how awkward or embarrassing? Or is this something that we're just going to find out magically by accident later? I would love to hear every little detail. I mean, it, it makes it like a fun part of the team. I want to know all the weird quirks and I want to know all these things. And that way, while we're doing the project, I kind of know what 
what the homeowners want or, or for sure aren't going to like, and we can kind of plan accordingly. I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun when you when you when you do share too much because it doesn't really doesn't really exist to do well, that. Maybe not too much, but. <laughs> Actually, there isn't too much. When you're planning, like, these people are going to live in this house knowing weird quirks about what they love to do or what they don't love to do that might not be something you thought of. Like, how many people need to fit in this bathtub? I, If I didn't ask that, I wouldn't know that I needed a really big bathtub. Some people think, yeah, like, too much is like, it's like rain showers in the bathroom. Do you want two rain showers in the bathroom? And people are like, well, why? And it's like, well... Use your imagination, <laughs> right? It's always these weird, I find for people, it's these very, everybody has very small, weird quirks. And that's what can like make or break a project, surprisingly. Um, I had one homeowner that couldn't have any of his door trim cut at any location, trimmed or shaved to fit at all. So we ended up moving all of the interior walls in the whole house just so that the door was, you know, four and a half inches off the wall, not an inch and a half. Wow. And that small quirk, was a huge cost since we ended up spending $20,000 reframing the house just so that trim didn't get cut. You know, there's trimless doors, right? But that even needs to get framed properly for it. Is there any other outrageous requests you've ever had for design? Anything interesting and neat and anything like really cool that you've had to build that's obviously not typical for somebody? Um, we had one where they wanted, they had the master bedroom on a loft and they wanted all glass railings. And we we're like, well, you know, everyone in the living room can see you. And they're like, it's okay. We just don't wear clothes in the house. I'm like, all right, then I don't have to worry about where the glazing is. <laughs> Let's do it. That is more surprising than you think having these big open windows in a bathroom, in a shower, in a bathtub and it's like hey like what about the blinds how are we gonna give you privacy it's like well nobody's gonna look into my suite and like, your neighbor's gonna look straight into your house people people don't care some people like it yeah shira and damien this episode provided so much valuable information to help lay the foundation for a successful new build or renovation you have given our listeners and now i feel like i need a bigger tub a lot of great information and resources so thank you Yes, this season of Measure Twice, Cut Once has been all about finding and building or renovating the right home for you. Today, we learned about how the right people are important to building and renovating your home, who the players are, and the importance of bringing everyone together at the beginning of the project to help define the project and realistic cost. About being open with your builder as he or she will be able to determine the team, identify the soft costs, and help you identify and define your square cost per foot. And if someone is willing to give you a price with no information, don't hire them. The change orders will likely extend past your budgets and your dreams. If you could leave our listeners with just one last piece of advice, Sharon and Damien, what would it be? Don't cheap out in the beginning. Um, most, I don't know, I'd say half of the projects that come in are emergencies and problems um, because they weren't ready like you're, you're going to build a three million dollar house but they're not ready to spend ten or twenty thousand dollars for the instructions on how to build it um we get this weekly but the, the one that came in this week that I'm, i have to start next week is um a client had a hired a designer on her own got a design got permits hired a contractor got a quote for those plans started building it and now they are at framing and the plans are unbuildable they um the, literally the foundation doesn't line up with the walls doesn't line up with the roof they have to stop work halfway through construction and now it's costing them five thousand dollars a day to sit and wait to hire a new designer to fix the plan so that this house can physically be built and adjust everything because then once you start fixing them now the things they bought don't fit um the bathtub is the common one because they're exactly five feet and once you start moving a wall an inch or two it, it doesn't go in the hole anymore um and that they're it's costing them it's going to cost them so much more than the most expensive designer ever would have cost in the beginning 
to sit and hold while they fix it. And so do it right in the beginning. You have to be prepared to spend the money for the whole project, not just once you start hitting ground and, oh, now I'm ready to spend money. Because if you didn't do it right in the beginning, if your instructions aren't good, your build won't be good. Yeah, and uh, for me, I guess, is like interview each other. Don't just uh, don't just call somebody and ask for a price. Call and, want, and meet up with them. And with uh, the situation we're living in right now, I mean, that might be a little bit more difficult. But make sure you meet with a person and that you guys like each other and um, that hopefully if things go smoothly from that. And we had a saying when I was being... When I was an apprentice, is if you're if you're failing to plan, you're actually planning to fail. Well, that makes sense, and that applies to almost everything we do. And what a great way to end our conversation together. And if people want to find you after hearing this episode, how can they get in touch with you for your services? Well, we're DOS Design Group. Um, just Google DOS Design, and we'll show up. Um, we've got a big team. Everyone's there to help, and everyone has their individual specialty there. And if anybody wants to get in touch with me, my um, Instagram post is uh, NewcombWCC. You can message me there. Uh, all my contact information is on, on that page. Thanks, Shira and Damien. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow this and share it with your friends and families. The more followers we have, the more people will find our podcast and the excellent resources our guests are sharing. I've learned so much today about who to bring on and why uh, when building or renovating and how to calculate the cost to create a realistic budget. For notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, including resources shared on the episode today, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks so much, guys. guys. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. Until next time, this is Mike Friedman. I'm Jennifer Lee, reminding you to measure twice and cut once. From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today.